Good afternoon and welcome to our new motoring show. We had our, our first show last week and uh, we talk about what's interesting and what's new in the world of motoring. My name is uh, Forti Mazzoni. I'm a chef, I'm a restaurateur and I'm an absolute complete petrol head. I've uh, been privileged to join the South African Guild of Motoring Journalists and um, I'm a complete motor nut. I love driving cars. I have a lot of cars and I love talking about them. I love racing them and uh, it's always been my passion. So today's show is uh, quite interesting. We're going to look at uh, what's new, what's uh, just come out on the market. We've got uh, some very interesting cars flashing onto the screens this week. And of course, we're seeing the growth in autonomous technology, in the superb technology in motors, which is producing more and more and more power out of smaller and smaller capacity motors. And we're seeing the real uh, birth of uh, very high-end technology, even in the smallest cars on the road these days. So these are all very interesting things, and we're going to be discussing them in the show. But first, a lovely piece of music. If you're driving, just listen to this, and it'll spin you on your way. So I hope you enjoyed that lovely piece. It's just put me in the mood to discuss the first car that uh, I enjoyed this week, and that's the brand-new BMW 850i. Immediately after this show, I'm going to go and rob a bank. Either that or become a politician, because that'll enable me to afford this car. What a piece of art, just motoring art. So there it is, uh, nearly 2 million, but uh, hell of a car. A big 4.4 litre V8 twin turbo motor, an interior to absolutely die for, and uh, all the autonomous drivers as you could wish for, but uh, which are there just really to add to the driving experience because if you want to drive it yourself, well, you just set all the sport modes on to on and you kick your feet deep into the right-hand footwell, deep into that uh, lovely thick carpet and feel that car just come alive underneath you. What a motor car. So um, a very strictly two plus two, two seats in the back for two dwarfs with no legs or alternatively uh, two babies or alternatively one drunk friend lying across the back seats and in front two magnificent thrones multi multi adaptable and changeable with uh, of course all electric controls made to fit anybody even a nice fat chop like me and uh, they really hug you nicely into the car and uh, amazingly responsive motor. I just can't wait for the M8. I think the M8 is really going to be the most beautiful car on the South Can roads. And obviously, I'm a, a Porsche driver. Some of you know, totally addicted. I love Porsche. I've always loved Porsche. And I've owned many. But I've got to say, this is the first car that's seriously tempting me, tempting me from the Stuttgart beasts because this Bavarian monster has got performance. I mean, if this is just the 850i. I cannot wait for the M8 because they say it's going to have close to 600 kilowatts. So 600 kilowatts, even in a heavy car like this, that's a lot of shove. And um, I just felt the handling was so superb. Very, very flat on the road. Very intelligent. You know, it's obviously got the new intelligent suspension from BMW, which adapts to road conditions, levels the car out in very, very fast corners, just the most amazing piece of kit. 
and the brakes are simply astonishing. You stomp your foot on the brakes and it feels like you're being flung into the seat belts. My eyeballs, my eyeballs <laughs> were literally bulging in my face. It was ridiculous. So what a lovely car to drive. And uh, then at the opposite end of the spectrum, I finally succumbed to the South African classic malaise and I bought a bucky. So why, you may ask, and someone's already calling the taste police. We'll discuss it after this musical break. So there we go. I joined Buckydom. I bought myself a Fiat fullback double cab bucky. And what a beautiful piece of kit it is. So uh, being that we have this current economic maelstrom in our country at the moment, people are desperate to sell motor cars. And by people, we mean, of course, motor dealerships. They're offering cars at significantly below cost just so that they can get the volume of cars moving through their dealerships so that they qualify for their rebates later in the year. So I was able to purchase a huge bucky. I mean, it's a seriously massive motor car. It's, uh, it's longer than a Range Rover. It has got a huge, huge loading bay. It's able to carry well over a ton. And it's got four very comfortable leather seats inside. The moat, the driver's seat is electrically adjustable. It has an absolutely fantastic sound system. It's got full built-in Bluetooth and all the little toys and my goodies. Electric windows, of course. Uh, got climate control, much better than the standard air conditioning. And um, the only thing I must say that it is missing, oh, it comes standard with a tow bar, which is wonderful. Uh, the only thing it is missing, which I thought was a pretty silly exclusion, uh, especially bearing in mind the size of this thing, is uh, park distance control at the rear. I believe the more luxurious model does have that, but uh, this model doesn't. But what it does have is a diesel motor, turbo diesel 2.4 motor that's full of grunt. Now, you might say to yourself, Fiat, fix it again, Tony, our usual expectations in this country. But um, this is based on a Mitsubishi Triton, which means that uh, all being said, this should be fairly reliable, very uh, reliable motor car. And up to now, not a single issue, just absolutely quiet, squeak-free, rattle-free, very well-built. And with this wonderful motor with a lot of grunt, I was actually pulling out a, I had to build uh, something at my home which entitled uh, or meant I had to pull out a very large tree in my garden. And uh, the guys that were helping me just uh, wrapped a chain around the tree, hooked it up to my tow bar, and uh, I literally uh, slipped the corner first, the bucky into first, engaged the locked differential, which is a standard feature on the bucky. And literally trundled away at idle. And out came this tree. I just couldn't believe my eyes. This sort of torque, 440 newton meters of it. So big, big power. You sit lovely and high on the road. A uh, little bit of a bucky suspension, of course. You know, pretty high and a little bit uh, sort of wobbly in the bends. Well, when I say wobbly, not that uh, you ever feel unsafe. But it is a tall car, a high center of gravity. So, But then again, you didn't buy it as a sports car. You bought it to enjoy and uh, for all its load-carrying capacity. And having had it now for the last uh, couple of months, I must just tell you, you just suddenly realize how many times you actually need a bucky. I really understand what it means now and why South Africans love their buckies. And, uh, yep, I've moved to the dark side. I'm now a bucky driver, and uh, I really am enjoying it. 
that being said, now I've uh, now got Bucky fever, so I've been trying a couple of the other Buckies on the market, and uh, that's what we're going to discuss after this musical break. So we're talking Buckies, South African preoccupation, and I've managed to drive two double cab Buckies in the last couple of weeks. The first one was the new Toyota Hilux, uh, as opposed to the old one. I've always loved the product. I always thought it was brilliant. Even the advertising was brilliant. I loved when Top Gear took one and dropped it off a building, tried to blow it up, shot it with airplanes, blah, 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 and they just could not destroy it. So you had this uh, reputation of the Hilux being tough and indestructible. And yeah, I must say, this one that I drove, despite being very, very modern on the inside, very fancy interior, a lovely smooth drive, far more car-like than any other Bucky I've driven, yet you get the same feeling of tough. I must say, it really does feel tough and strong. A really nice piece of kit, drove very well, slightly I felt underpowered. On the surface, my fullback Fiat felt quite a bit more powerful, even though it was rougher, certainly it, it wasn't. It didn't have the same level of NVH or noise, vibration, harshness. The Toyota certainly was superior in that regard, but uh, definitely had a bit more grunt. But uh, really lovely drive. Enjoyed driving it. Beautiful interior. Very smart bucky. But my find of the week was uh, the one that I enjoyed the most was without a doubt the new and uh, improved. Ford Ranger range and I had the privilege of trying one of the entry level buckies which I thought was an exceptional deal around 300,000 rand for something that had all the bells and whistles which you really need you know, the electric windows central locking it had a really nice um, decent sound system pretty good air conditioning but I must say the one that caught my fancy the most was the Wild Track 3.2 V6 automatic interior with every conceivable extra, amazing touchscreen, reversing camera, just everything that you felt literally like you're driving a four-wheel drive BMW 7 Series, quiet, comfortable, and a lovely piece of kit. And of course, shortly they're bringing out the two-liter bi-turbo motor in their uh, new range, which has got even more grunt than the 3.2 V6, amazingly. So to bring us back to the point we were discussing earlier, that uh, we're seeing smaller and smaller motors producing more and more power. And uh, with that uh, in mind, I had the privilege of driving the 1-liter, it's actually under 1-liter fire, the new Fiat motor, the Twin Air, amazing amount of grunt. Uh, we were driving a little Fiat Panda along Italian uh, autobahns, Autostrada during the year and uh, this little one litre car pulled three of us along and all our luggage at a very comfortable 160 kilometres an hour all day and uh, what a tremendous motor and we're seeing in the same vein uh, Volkswagen bringing out their new direct injection one litre motor also turbocharged very powerful little piece of kit and very, very comfortable. The new Polo, what a great car, great looking car, great interior, great build quality. Quite expensive, but really, really nice. But these small motors with so much power, it amazes me. And the small motor, so-called, of late, which has impressed me the most, was uh, I just drove the Porsche 718, the new Boxster. 
and um, that is a two-liter motor producing around 250 kilowatts. And what a beautiful drive, significantly better drive than the previous uh, six-cylinder motor. Very, very fast, four seconds to 100, and a lovely sort of gruff little growl, a little bit of the old whirpa, and uh, some nice pops, burbles, and farts on the, you know, once you release uh, the accelerator, and uh, just the most charismatic car to drive, and really small capacity, you know, two-liter motor, four-cylinder, but just the most amazing amount of grunt. And this is going to be what we see in the future. Mercedes and BMW all bringing out uh, two-liter motors. Mercedes, the new A45, producing an astonishing amount of power. They're going to be bringing out an S version with over 300 kilowatts from a four-cylinder two-liter motor. And, of course, BMW very famous for their two-liter four-cylinder motors as available now in the 328i, producing a massive power, not quite as much as... Uh, as the Merc, but a lovely, smooth a motor with a beautiful metallic rasp. And uh, even the Koreans producing lovely two-liter motors at the moment in both the Kia and the Hyundai range. And uh, spectacular cars, uh, really, really well made. If you look at the design of the new Kias and uh, the new Hyundais, you can really see the very strong influence at the moment of Peter Schreier, the former design big boss at Audi showing through very strongly and uh, what has happened is Hyundai has hired the former head of motorsport at BMW to uh, come and work for them and you see them just bringing out the most beautiful sporty cars at the moment the new Hyundai i30 Sport proving to be the most magnificent alternative to a Golf GTI at less money but with these uh, beautiful Korean warranties which are just fantastic you know at the very least five years or 100,000 of full warranty and motor plan, uh, which is something not to be sneezed at. And uh, some of them even going up to six or seven years, uh, depending on make and model of the car. So it shows a great deal of confidence in the product. Let's listen to some music. Here we are back again. And uh, we were talking about small motors and how much power they're producing and the importance of uh, warranties and motor plans. Something, a motor plan, by the way, something that started in this country, it's a uniquely South African offering, which is now spread to the rest of the world. But uh, I'm certainly we're the first country to offer that. Um, so it is a uniquely South African offering. And isn't it important? I think that uh, a lot of us are very, very much guided and also influenced in purchasing new motor cars because we know what it costs to service a modern technological marvel of a motor car. And so servicing costs are what influence us to buy new cars uh, so that we can get a motor car with a motor plan and hence the growth of the motor plan business in every brand of car in this country. It's quite interesting. Almost everybody now is offering a motor plan uh, to a lesser or greater extent. Some are step plans, some are shorter, some are longer, but it's definitely become something that absolutely and very strongly influences the, our choice of the next car and also the fact of when we're going to buy the next car. I was surprised that the rest of the world actually took so long to catch on to this, but very interesting Somebody was asking me uh, the other day why I got rid of my Porsche Cayenne a little while ago and uh, it had just come out of motor plan and uh, I had to, like all Murphy's Law experiences, as it came out of motor plan about two weeks later I had to hand it in for a major service and 
the Porsche service absolutely impeccable, I have to say, the most fantastic service they offer. But uh, the quote came back from Porsche at a slightly eye-widening, hot, rendering, tear-inducing 62,000 rand for a full service. And admittedly, it included everything. I mean, they don't leave anything out. They even replace the little rubbers around your uh, front headlamps. I mean, it's ridiculous. The car comes out looking like a new car. But 62,000 rand for a service, if you think about it, 15 years ago, that bought you a really nice little motor car, brand new, out the box, and uh, not a service. So it certainly made that I made up my mind far more rapidly to move on to or trade that in and move on to a new car. So it's interesting how that motor plan had really influenced my choice on a new car. And if you think about it, how we kind of brainwashed, in a sense, to buying new cars by the frightening cost of servicing these cars these days. So, yeah, just an interesting point to ponder. I'm going to listen to another piece of music and enjoy. To end off the show today, I want to discuss something that affects all of us as motorists, and uh, that is the uh, the traffic police and uh, the metropolitan police in the major centres. And uh, I want to challenge you to do something. I uh, drive a very old Alfa Romeo Spider, which I occasionally take out on little joy rides because uh, just to keep it running and keep the battery uh, going and just to enjoy a bit of top-down motoring. It's a slightly loud, very slow, but very wonderful car that never fails to wipe a smile straight onto my face, not off, but uh, just makes me smile and be happy to be alive. And uh, took it out for the drive the other day with my father and uh, we were stopped under a bridge by a friendly local metro cop who then informed me that I wasn't wearing my seatbelt, which very naughtily I wasn't and admittedly my fault completely. He then also asked for my license and like a fool I'd left the restaurant, I'd left my license in my jacket and the jacket was in the restaurant and then uh, took a look around the car and happened to notice that at the front of the car I don't have a you know, my license plate. And unfortunately, there is no space for a license plate on these old Alpha Spiders. So then spent about 15 minutes very slowly writing out this fine, but trying to milk a bribe from me. I mean, making it so obvious. Do you know what this is going to cost you? Do you know how much this fine is? Can't we sort this for you? And so on. And, And I absolutely refused. And I absolutely insisted that he write me out the fine and write me out the fine in full. So much so he eventually got quite irritated towards the end, you know, made sure he charged me the maximum in every category and really kept us standing there for quite a while, all in all about 30 minutes, just to write out this darn fine. And uh, you just hear about it every single day. My daughter stopped the other night in her mini uh, with a guy milking her and just you know, he hasn't eaten and he's really thirsty and uh, she had everything was in order there was nothing he could do to give her a fine but just this constant we just bombarded by both traffic cops and metropolitan police asking for bribes or for money or for and it's just unacceptable and uh, I just want to appeal to all of you as listeners that if you get stopped in one of these stops, I know it's so tempting just to pull out a turnaround note and just try to make it go away. But uh, please don't. Please don't. Because it's only if we all refuse and it's only if we if we concentrate on making these services better that we can make them better. And just remember that if you are milked for a bribe 
or are threatened to be taken away to police on there, just make sure that you take a photo and you know who the police officer was, what his name was, and you are fully entitled to ask for his uh, you know, important and relevant identification so you know who he is because we must step down on the corruption in our police. And uh, the way it's going to stop and the way we're going to start doing it is by stopping paying all these ridiculous bribes at these stops. And uh, we must all stand together on this. And with that, I bid you farewell. Thank you for listening. I hope I haven't bored you. Uh, We've got some very interesting guests on next week's show. So uh, I look forward to uh, you joining me then. Cheers.